0: Well, welcome to another Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and it's starting to get a little interesting now, isn't it? We are one week away from the midterm elections, and the midterm elections will be tabulating votes long into the wee hours of November 8th and 9th, and I believe there are some states where you can actually vote early. California might be one of them, where you could vote early, but the, uh, you, can, you can vote by mail and have it come in all the way up to the 15th of November, it kind of, you know, I, I'm a traditional guy, kind of old school in this regard. I really appreciate having the opportunity to, you know, say, this is election day. We're going to go ahead and we're going to vote on election day. Now, I, I started voting by mail years ago. Um, did so simply because of convenience. One year I was actually working in an area that was different from I was working in Central California, but I wanted to vote in Orange County. I filled out the absentee ballot issue because I wanted to be, I wanted to still vote in my area. I didn't have to re-register. I hadn't lived there long enough, et cetera, et cetera. And as it turned out, I only lived there nine months. But I found that with my work schedule, it's a lot easier for me to fill out my ballot ahead of time and then, you know, go ahead and, uh, um, you know, then turn it in that way than it is to, uh, to, you know, worry about whether or not it's going to get in on time. And so one less thing for me to worry about come election day, but there are lots of things that are happening in life right now. I know I talk to a lot of people who contact the show and they say, you know, I, I, I feel like I've got more stress this time around, maybe not because of the election necessarily, but because the economy, the environment, your relationships, et cetera, et cetera. And, It kind of boils down to a part of our spiritual life that says, why are so many people so stressed and burned out and they're looking for peace and purpose and they don't really feel they find it? Well, I thought as an antidote to all the political talk that we have usually on Super Tuesday, we're going to take a look at the pastoral need for us to get rid of some of the stress that's happening. And uh, pastor and author Chad Beach is going to join us here in just a second. He's the founder and lead pastor of Zoe Church which is a dynamic community right in the heart of L.A. proper here for the last 20 years. He's dedicated his life to ministry and preaching the gospel. He's the author of a book that has a rather provocative title, and if we're honest, I think we all can identify with it. The book is simply called Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. We have a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Pastor Chad Beach, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show
1: hey thank you so much for having me on it's great to be back
0: great to have you here especially because this topic is key i mean we've made it through a pandemic we're going through inflation or stagflation or something inflation. and then of course there's the political climate too we're seeing a lot more christians who are just stressed out burned out etc cetera, etc cetera. you're seeing that too in your ministry talk about this book i mean you obviously were compelled enough by the problem to want to do something about it what was the genesis of this book for you
1: well, yeah, I think you know. Obviously, you, you you write about what you go through. So, I think I was facing it myself. You know, you you you, you know, twenty twenty uh, was just such an unbelievable year. You're facing a, a political unrest. You have a, a crisis within uh, within America with racism. You've got obviously a health uh, COVID nineteen, and then you got finances to throw on top of it. So it's like, man, why do I feel this way? And what is the antidote? I think it is. Uh, personally, I think it's prayer. I think it's, and of course, we don't worship prayer. I always like to, I always like to think prayer is like, is like my is like my Uber. You know, so I don't <laughs> worship Uber because Uber just takes me from where I am to where I need to be. Right. So prayer is just a vehicle; it just gets me from from out of being in stress into God's presence. And I find that when I'm with God, when I connect with God that my troubles get really, really small, and I get perspective on what I'm facing. I get peace to go through the situation. I get the right, you know, uh, premise that I, I, you know, God's still for me and with me. So I think prayer is just such a big part of our life.
0: Yeah, and Pastor Chad Beach is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about a brand new book called Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and and we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I, I I love the, I appreciate the fact, Pastor Chad Beach, that when I asked you, you know, what was the genesis of the book, and you said, well, I was walking through this. I mean, I, oftentimes, you know, we get the feeling, well, I'll read this book by Chad Beach because he's got it all together, and I'm having the problem, but he never has this problem. And I appreciate your transparency and just saying, look, 2020 was a, I mean, that was, man, we we couldn't return that year fast enough, you know, in terms of you know, what happened in the <laughs> right. culture. And yet at the same time, though, we understand that 2021 was kind of a lousy exchange and it began to help us realize, well, you know, there's a good reason. It's kind of like saying I'm thirsty all the time, but I never drink water. You know, it's, talk about the fact that prayer really does change everything. But the first place prayer really changes starts inside your own heart.
1: That's exactly right. We I always I love that line. Pray, prayer changes things, mainly me. You know, yeah. we. You know, the thing about prayer is, I leave prayer, I've got the same amount of money in my bank account. I'm in the same hospital room. I've got the same four kids. I've got the same spouse. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. Well, what changed is 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 me. I I get changed from prayer, and so uh, and that really is what matters. So yeah, it's like I think you know it. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a bad uh, analogy here, but I, I always think prayer is like flossing. I I, I go to the dentist, and the dentist's like, hey, have you been flossing? And I'm like, you already know the answer to this question. I know it's something I should be doing, but I just haven't been doing. A lot of us, like we know that the solution to our sadness is God. You know that the antidote that we're looking for is found in faith. But a lot of times it's like there's something about us that just we fail to connect the dots. We fail to do what even our spirit. Side wants to do. So I think that we got to figure out how to you know, close that gap because we don't have to stay miserable or tormented or stressed or burnt out for so long. All we have to do is start talking to God.
0: You know, when I think about uh, the people who have uttered that phrase before, maybe not using those exact words, you know, I, I, I'm so stressed, I'm worried about everything, and yet I realize my prayer life is really lousy. I think a lot of times what people will find themselves facing is the things that when we all started out as Christians, what do we do? We pray for new cars. We pray for the love of our life, pray for a lot of money. You know, we just, you know, that kind of name it, and claim it type of stuff. Well, God loves me, so I need a Maserati, right? Talk about, you actually devote a section in your new book, Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. You you d- devote a whole subsection of the book to what we get wrong about prayer. Can you go Go easy on us, Pastor Chad Beach, but help us understand what some of the misconceptions and what things that we just get flat out wrong about prayer.
1: Well, I, I think this is why, you know, what you're hitting on there. This is why when Jesus taught his disciples, his group, his crew, how to pray, he said, you know, when you pray, it's really smart. This is good. You don't have to say this exact thing every time, but it should go along these lines. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Just Those two phrases together remind me: this is not about my kingdom, and this is not about my will. A lot of times in prayer, we're coming, you know, to God. We're like, I need the car, I need the house, I need the spouse, I need whatever. You know, fill in the blank. We kind, we kind of want God to be like a genie in a bottle. If we're honest, and I think prayer is about me getting on God's agenda, not God getting on mine, and me kind of surrendering and desiring what he wants from my life, rather than convincing him. It's kind of like when I was growing up, I used to beg my parents, let me stay the night at so-and-so's house, so-and-so's house. And my right. parents are like, it's Tuesday. You're not staying the <laughs> night at so-and-so's house on a Tuesday. Not a school It's night. like, yeah. you know, trying to always convince my parents what I wanted. Prayer is not our opportunity to get our wish list out. Yeah. Prayer is our opportunity for us to say, God, what do you want to do here? how do you want me to handle this? What do you desire for my life? What do you want for my children? I I think it's good for us to think about these ways. Like, I like the idea, God, my time is yours. My talent is yours. And my treasure is yours. My time belongs to you. My talent is all from you. And my treasure, all of my money has come from you and it belongs to you. So you you can talk to me about anything. I think prayer gets fun when we stop living with a closed fist and we start living with an open hand. Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and how else can you well embrace any of the goodness that God would have for us without an open hand? But uh, Pastor Chad Beach, I mean, I'm sure you would agree. When we do go through tough times, if we don't have an open hand, how do we walk through the valley of the shadow of death with the Lord by our side? And getting closer to him, if we're holding, you know, fists balled up, saying, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Instead of saying, I am here. Lord, please be with me. I mean, prayer that. It's a very intimate act, isn't it?
1: Yeah. You know, the way I the way I like to look at it is like, you know, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a voodoo. It's not, as you know, like some mystical creak. It's like it's, he's a person. So right. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to walk with me and to encourage me, and to lead me, and to guide me. So if if we're not there, usually what's happening is we're still battling for our will or our want to, to win. I think that's what I love about the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is in the garden, and yeah. he's like, hey, I really don't want to do this, guys. I don't. I really don't. But I'm willing to surrender and to submit to you, because I know this is why you're, you have me here. I know this is what you planned for me. I know it's what you want for me. I think prayer is good when it's raw, it's vulnerable, but it concludes in surrender.
0: Mm. Pastor Chad Beach is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. We're talking about his brand new book, uh, which we've got up at the thebottomlineshow.com. It's called Worried About Everything, Because I Pray About Nothing. How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will be giving away a copy of this book uh, on the other side of this break. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk to Pastor Chad about, okay, now we know some of the mistakes that we make when it comes to prayer. How can we do a better job of bulking up our prayer life, making it more effective and ultimately more God-honoring? We'll have that conversation on the other side of this break with Pastor Chad Beach in just a moment as the bottom line continues. You know, I am so thrilled about the people who have been praying about the unborn and the sanctity of human life. We see Proposition 1 on the ballot, and it looks like it's starting to go down to defeat. We're super excited about that. But Body of Christ is taking action and telling the truth about what happens in an abortion. And one of the ways you could do do a great work to prevent abortion from taking place is to provide an ultrasound screening for a woman who's expecting a child. Preborn has been doing that for years. They're doing it with pregnancy health centers all across the country. Three more bottom line listeners called in yesterday at 833-850-BABY and made donations. We are saving, we're over the 100-child mark right now. The goal is to get to 400 between now and the end of the year. Your $28 donation, which is completely tax deductible, goes to providing an abortion in a preborn clinic. A $280 donation will save 10 lives. $140 will save five. 2800 will save 100 children. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, what you're doing is you're basically arming the folks at Preborn with the ammunition that they need to tell the truth to a woman who's facing an unplanned pregnancy by introducing her to her child. 833-850-BABY. Make your best donation there or go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner today. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits, addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. You have a large
2: 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care, and if you need one or both, you both have it? That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our client's money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night.
0: Learn more when you call
2: Wilson Financial today at
0: 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. Pastor Chad Beach is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, the founder and lead pastor of Zoe Church here in Los Angeles and author of a book with a great cover and title. It's called Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. We have a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Chad, t- talk about what's happening with the Zoe community right now. At 20 years you've been in ministry, and uh, this has got to be an exciting time for you and your family at home, but also your family in the church as well.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's been an exciting time uh, for our community. It feels like every week uh, we're seeing tons of people uh, raise their hand to say, "I want to follow Jesus." Uh, we're seeing just amazing things happen in our connect groups. People getting together and doing Bible studies, and breaking bread, and uh, having great fellowship. And we're seeing, you know, so many great leaders step up to step into you know, what God has for them as far as in a serving or ministry capacity. And we're seeing amazing things happen in our mission. You know, we sent a number of mission uh, teams out into the field this year and have incredible work with our, our, our I Love My City campaign that we do once a month. And we're gearing up here getting ready for our big Thanksgiving food drive as well as our big Christmas toy giveaway. We call it Giving Hope. And so we're, we're, we're having a lot of fun. I got to admit, we're, I think it's our best days and we're excited for the future of the church in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. that And that's, it's encouraging to hear a pastor who's in the thick of this in LA saying, I'm encouraged because oftentimes we'll look at the larger cities and we'll say, gosh, it seems like socialism or communism or, you know, atheism is really the rule of the day. And I have a feeling that's part of the reason why you, Pastor Chad Beach, saw so many people and have seen those who are saying, I'm worried about everything. And then you ask them a question about their prayer life and they say, well, I don't really pray about anything. (laughs) So, you know, I think, I think about that great line in Philippians four, where Paul says, I mean, the, the modern translation, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And and don't don't be afraid to thank him for his, uh, his answers too. Uh, We talked before the break about your brand new book, worried about everything because I pray about nothing. And we talked about some of the ways that people pray incorrectly there's got to be a way that we can improve, and you don't just leave us twisting in the wind on that one. Talk about some of the ways that you outline in the book about how we as Christians can get better at prayer, regardless of how long we've been Christians.
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, by the way, it's like, it's like the, it's the old quote, right? You don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. So you got to start Ooh, somewhere. Like that. you has got to start praying, start talking to God. You know, I always think if you don't know how to pray, make it so simple. Uh, Start, set an alarm in your phone for 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 6 p.m. and Every time that alarm goes off, I want you just to say the name Jesus. So say Jesus' name three times a day and bring God awareness. Uh, Another thing I like to say is, you know, start. Some people are so good at texting, it's ridiculous. They should be authors. So start a contact in your phone name it jesus or god and start texting out your prayers to god i think the point is we got to start somewhere we got to we got to start and then i i was you know i think find a model find a model of prayer that you go i can plug and play that so one of my favorites is acts a c t s start with adoration go to confession then thanksgiving for tea, and then supplication. So start with adoring God. God, I worship you. I adore you. I love you with my whole heart. Then confess. Confess not just your sins. Confess the cross. Confess His promises. Confess the blood of Jesus. Confess that God is for you and with you. And then thanksgiving. Thank God for everything in your life. And then by the time you get down to S, you get the supplication, that Maserati that you referenced earlier, that's going (laughs) to feel so small. Usually, yeah. by the time I get to ask, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm good. You're so awesome. I don't need to bring my laundry list because I know how awesome you are.
0: Mm. Well, Maserati still wouldn't be bad, but uh, no, I know. I, I, but I know what you're saying. I mean, I really, I completely hear what you're saying because everything works in according to God's perfect will first and foremost. And so you begin to realize, okay, if well, I'm looking at the things of this world and saying, I want money or I want power. Or, I want position, things of that nature, or even some of the temporal needs too, especially as we get older, I want to have a better relationship with my children. I, I want to, you know, have it be in the lives of my grandchildren or that type of stuff. Sometimes those can get in the way to the point where you start looking at the blessing instead of the blesser. And you begin to realize I'm not taking this prayer where it needs to be. Uh, Pastor Chad Beach is with me today here on The Bottom Line. His book is called Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress. And we've got a link for the book up at the TheBottomLineShow.com. Uh, Chad, what's, what are some good marching points for us? I mean, we don't want to be stressed out. We don't want to be burned out. But at the same time, we're living in a world that is even post-pandemic, it's still stressful. You're seeing a lot of Christians burning out and saying, I, I just don't want to be doing this anymore. How do we kind of demystify prayer to make it more effective so we do deal with the temporal but we're focusing on the eternal
1: well i think that it, it really comes down to me to having a relationship with god you know and and you know i'm married for 14 years and uh, my wife and i if you go through our text history i haven't really checked in with her in a long time you know like mm-hmm. in other words i haven't been like hey How's it going? How you been? What have you been up to? Like, I'm just constantly in communication with my wife. There is no start or stop to our ongoing conversation. I think that we need to get there with God. I think we should just be talking to God all the time. I think sometimes we we think that God can be like our human relationships, and because we haven't talked in so long, we are afraid that maybe he's going to be upset with us or disappointed or re-entry is going to be really difficult, and shame is such a bully, it convinces us of that. So I think the solution to me is just, let's not ever feel that. Let's just constantly be talking to God in short increments, but constant increments, and the rest will take care of itself.
0: Mm. I think that is the kind of confidence that we're all looking for, and it's so uh, such a blessing to have a resource like this brand new book by Pastor Chad Beach to help us get our minds around what godly prayer is, uh, and perhaps maybe more importantly, what it is not. The book is called Worry About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. We've got a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Pastor Chad Beach, 60 seconds left in our time together. What is God laying on your heart right now to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I think one of my favorite things about prayer is that as I pray, my troubles vanish, they get really, really small, And all of a sudden, I get confidence to start believing and asking God for bigger and greater things. Mm. So there's a total switch. I might come into prayer feeling like this Goliath has defeated me, but I walk out of prayer going, not only is this Goliath now slayed and is going to fall, but the future starts to look like possibility, starts Mm. to look like excitement, starts to look like vision. Because my faith is stirred when I pray. I start to, I, you know, Jeremiah said it this way. He goes, "Ah, oh, Lord God, nothing is too difficult for you. And when I pray, I start to feel those words. I start to sense that reality. God is big. God is good. God is able. God is for me. And that's why I think the enemy keeps us from prayer. Because he doesn't ever want us to get our confidence in Christ back. But when I pray and I, I start to stir up my faith, I start to realize, oh, you could throw me into a lion's den. You could put me in a fiery furnace. I could stand there with the red sea and the waves crashing. I could be stuck in the belly of a whale, but God is not going to forsake me. And just the fact that I can come and pray and be reminded of that keeps me going forward to walk out the call and the plans that God has for my life. So I want to encourage everybody out there, keep praying and keep believing that God is who he says he is, and he can do what he said he
0: could do. Amen. Amen and amen. Pastor Chad Beach, what a great word of encouragement and exhortation to conclude our time together today. Again, the book is called "Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. We have a link to the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Chad, great to get some uh, time with you again. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, thanks for discussing the, uh, the content of the new book, and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me on.
0: All right. Worried about everything because I pray about nothing is up at thebottomlineshow.com, as I mentioned. And we have a copy of the book to give away right now. I believe Teresa and Crystal are back in the office answering the phones after their, uh, they had a Mandy Petty day yesterday. No, they were out at the trunk or Treat thing uh, at Skyline. Um, 800-227-5278, 800 227 800 227 get you through to the bottom line. We have one copy of Pastor Chad Beach's book to give away. Worried about everything because I pray about nothing. How to live with peace and purpose instead of stress and burnout. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. My thanks again to pastor and author Chad pastor the uh, Chad is the pastor of Zoe Church in, here in Los Angeles and author of the brand new book called Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. Uh, how to live with peace and purpose instead of stress and burnout. We've got a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com and a copy of the book to give away right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line, regardless of what you're facing right now. If you are stressed about the economy, if you are worried about personal issues or maybe how the election's going to turn out, or maybe, quite frankly, you've had it kind of up to here with life, I mean, with the, the burnout is just too much. I mean, over the past couple of years, a lot of people who live in uh, high property value states like California, New York, et cetera, found that it was easier to sell their home, take the record proceeds, move to a less expensive state to live in like Texas or Florida, uh, pay cash for a big house It was a much smaller price. And let's face it, if you move from California to uh, Texas, for example, and you weren't working anymore. You don't have to worry about income tax because they don't have state income tax anyway. And yeah, you have property taxes to pay. That's how they fund their government. But if you pay cash for a home, you don't have to worry about what's happening in the economy. It's a great deal. You can revitalize. The question though is when it comes to stress and burnout and fatigue and things like that, what does our prayer life look like? And that's one of the things that Pastor Chad Beach addresses in a very practical yet personal way. If you are worried about everything, ask yourself, what am I praying about? Whom am I praying for? What, what kind of relief am I looking to? Get this book and it will change your prayer life. 800 227 the number to get you through to the bottom line. More in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Keep it right here.
3: Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side.
0: Remember that Stephanie with an F, cover as in cover. 877-214-4935. 877 214 4935. Make sure you have her name and number in your contacts. You need a godly advocate who knows the law but also appreciates your values when you're going to court or trying to stay out of court. 877 214 4935. Call Stephanie Cover today. Well, welcome to another Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh and uh, grateful that you are here. Uh, let's take a look at what's happening election wise because. It is really getting interesting, especially here in the Golden State. Um, I think about I got a, a an email earlier today from our station general manager Don Crawford, Jr., who was uh, pointing out uh, a note that he had received. I think it was on the social media site called LinkedIn, and it was with regard to one of the races, the key races here in the People's Republic of California for Congress. Now, remember, California went through a population decline in the 10s or the teens, or whatever, and from 2010 to 2020, the net population decline in California was 700,000. That means that negative immigration, if you will, more people left the state than came in. And and understanding too that that also takes into consideration the number of people who are no longer with us, people who have uh, wound up passing away for whatever reason. I totally understand that that happens, but there's always been just a huge influx of people coming to California because the weather's nice, because the economy's good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that the net loss of people living in California at the end of, during the 2020 census was down 700,000 people in a state of nearly 40 million means that for the first time in California history, Californians actually lose a seat in the House of Representatives. It also means that If you're losing a seat, that means you lose a congressional district, which means that you have to reshuffle the deck, so to speak. Now, you'll hear politicians on both sides of the aisle complaining, complaining, complaining about something they call gerrymandering. And that is just the practice of complaining about where the district lines are drawn. As you can imagine, it's rather hotly contested. I mean, we've had conversations about, was it in East County, San Diego, there's one district in particular that was redistricted for the state purposes, for state assembly and state senate, that kind of effectively wiped out a group of Chaldean Christians who had immigrated there. They were all pretty conservative and it kind of split their vote up. I mean, that happens a lot. We have an ugly, awful history in the United States of people being redlined, people being forced out of certain areas. There was one spot one of the states where there was a congressional Mapping that had to be redrawn. Uh, The state has five congressional seats and they also have a history of racism and the way the lines have been drawn there. It wasn't really fair to the African American population that lived there. And so there was a question as to whether or not lines should be redrawn. And not every state that has a complaint about redrawing districts has a gripe about redrawing districts. Sometimes they just don't like it. Case in point here in the People's Republic of California, if you like Daryl Issa, in the 50th district in 2020, you can now vote for him in the 48th district in 2022. Uh, Michelle Steele, Paul Jones, the list goes on. These are all people that I've recommended at Rogers Recommendations, uh, which are up at thebottomlineshow.com. As you get ready to vote, remember, of course, you can vote in person on Election Day. There are some places where you can vote in person early, and that's for everybody in California. But I'll, Colorado, just put it in the mail. Yeah, If you're listening at KLDC right now, that's what you're going to do if you haven't already done it. But one of the more hotly contested races I found very interesting is the race for District 47. District 47 includes a big swath of what used to be known as District 45. California Congressional District 45 has been a hotbed of uh, political activity over the past four years because of what happened due to uh, the ballot harvesting fiasco that happened in the People's Republic of California in 2018. And the reason I call it a fiasco is this: Look, I mean. I understand that this is something that is applicable to both sides. Ballot harvesting in its truest, purest form began as a way for people who had family members who were not able to get out and vote, or maybe friends from your church, elderly folks or whatever, who wanted to vote that weren't signed up to do absentee voting, gave you the opportunity to go to their house, pick up their ballot that they had filled out, that they had signed. And all you had to do is drop it in the ballot box for them. Now, what, good grandson or son or daughter or granddaughter wouldn't do that for elderly members of their family, right? Of course they do that. That makes perfect sense. And I think at the core, the concept of ballot harvesting in terms of, you know, well, not ballot harvesting, just let me take your ballot to the polls, it seems pretty innocent enough, pretty pedestrian. The concept of ballot harvesting, though, takes it a step further. If ballot harvesting is legal in your state, then that means that anybody who works for any political organization, could conceivably drive around town, pick up ballots from people who are not able to get out, the elderly, the infirm, et cetera, et cetera, pick up their ballots that are already filled out and signed, and drop them off at proper polling places. Okay, again, that nothing really sounds that horrible when you do that. But you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, aren't you? <laughs> well, you know what happens next. The next step is, well, what if we go harvest those ballots? What if we go to somebody's home and say, hey, I noticed you're a registered Democrat and I work for the Democrat National Committee here in California. And do you have your ballot? Well, yeah, I'm a permanent absentee ballot. Well, good for you. I'm glad you are. Because here's what I need you to do. Just sign this thing and we'll fill it in for you. You don't have to worry about we'll vote for all the Democrats and all the things that you hold dear. You just trust us. Okay, that gets a little crazy because now anybody could do that. And all they need is a live, wet signature, as they call it. But what if they didn't ask for the signature? What if they just somehow came to your home and asked you to give the ballot without signing it? Well, that seems a little suspicious. What if they came to your home and didn't ask you for the ballot they just found it in the mailbox and they filled it out themselves? That's a highly plausible scenario that was exacerbated in 2020. By, well, what if the ballots that were coming to people's homes were not just exclusive for the people who had opted in to be absentee balloters? And that includes me and my wife. We are registered as permanent absentee ballot people, not because we can't get to the polls. We have actually in the first past two elections, we take our ballot and put it in the box there. But the idea is that we do it because we don't, I mean, our lives are busy. We have family to take care of. You know, sometimes we're not able to get to the polls on election day, it's just easier to put in the mail a couple of days ahead of time. You'll recall that California Governor Gavin Newsom, back in 2020, extended his emergency powers because of the pandemic to decree that California voters would all be getting actual ballots in the mail, not those sample ballots. It used to be everybody got a sample ballot, said sample all over it, and then the people who had registered for absentee balloting would get theirs. Gavin Newsom decided this was such a pandemic, everybody needs to get a live ballot. What could possibly go wrong here in the People's Republic of California? First of all, it would increase Democrat voter turnout because Democrats statistically are more likely to vote absentee. There's no ill intent behind that. In my words, that's just a statement of fact. But secondly, now your mail is in the mailbox in front of your home. And the mailman comes by or mail delivery person comes by in the middle of the day and you're at work and someone comes cruising through the neighborhood and they steal your mail. Yes, it happens. Even in the era of the ring camera on the front porch, people get their mail stolen, their Amazon packages stolen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go and fill out the ballot for you and they sign in a way that may match your signature and may not because a lot of states don't check signatures for verification. There's no photo ID proof that you are that person. And all of a sudden you could turn in a hundred ballots and in effect, stuff the ballot box. If you wonder why California congressional district 45, which had been historically red and had Mimi Walders go into bed on election night 2018, thinking she had won pretty handily, only to wake up the next day and find out that Katie Porter came storming it out of nowhere and actually won, well, then you understand how ballot harvesting works. And in some cases, even ballot trafficking. If you saw the, the movie 2,000 Mules, so Dinesh D'Souza's movie about how the presidential election of 2020 was influenced by maybe 2,000 different workers all across the country who would basically harvest and traffic ballots and get them into precincts and get them counted. Well, the reason I bring all this up is a couple reasons. First and foremost, Katie Porter's district is now District 47. She's running against Scott Baugh, who has a good conservative endorsement. Uh, Yours truly, if you look at Roger's recommendations, I'm recommending Scott Baugh. Katie Porter, in her first two years in Congress, really got a lot of attention college professor, academic career, knows the economy, knows about inflation, et cetera, et cetera. And for the first two years she was in office, even a lot of conservatives said, well, okay, I guess I guess she's pretty good. She got reelected in 2020, but then something happened over the past six months. She, like a lot of Democrats, drank the Kool-Aid about campaigning on Roe versus Wade and ignoring inflation and ignoring spending. It turns out she's got a a record for approving spending measures that puts her in Kamala Harris territory. And they had, last week, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York was in Irvine campaigning for Katie Porter. And now back to the article I mentioned earlier uh, that Don Crawford Jr. sent me earlier through LinkedIn. Looks like Katie Porter is on the ropes. It's neck and neck in District 47. If you are a conservative who lives in California District 47, I strongly urge you to vote. And to make sure you cast a ballot for Scott Baugh. All of my recommendations are up at thebottomlineshow.com, and I highly recommend that you take a look at them. That's one of my recommendations that you take. A... Uh, by the way, 800-227-5278, we're giving away copy, a copy of Chad Beach's book, Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live With Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. And that link is up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, we're going to take a break and then come back with the pride of the University of California, San Diego, a woman I just met earlier this week named Ashley Hayek, who has a Clovis connection, a San Diego connection, and currently now is part of an organization called the American First Policy Institute. What are they doing to fight Proposition 1 in California? What are they doing to clean up voter rolls in the 100 most populous areas in the United States? We'll discuss that and more on the other side of this break. As the bottom line
4: Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com reverse. That's kbrightradio.com reverse or 714-741-8080, NMLS 332959, Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender.
0: Take a look at a reverse mortgage as a possibility for a line of credit, for a lump sum that you can use to leave a living legacy for your kids and grandkids, or possibly even a way to purchase a home after the age of 62. Call Cliff at Newport Bay Mortgage today, 714-741-8080, or just go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse today. Well, Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show and getting to know a new organization to us, but they've been around for quite some time, and a new friend to the Bottom Line Show to share with us about some issues anywhere from how do we get America back to its uh, its cultural and uh, political moorings, how do we have some meaningful change in elections on the whole as for regard to election integrity, and what can we do to stop Proposition 1? Ashley Hayek is with me today here on The Bottom Line. She's the Chief Engagement Officer of the American First Policy Institute, and she's also the, uh, the Managing Director of the American First Works. Uh, we've got links for both of their websites up at TheBottomLineShow.com, and we're going to get into a little policy talk. We're going to talk a little Prof. 1 as well with Ashley Hayek. Ashley, welcome to The Bottom Line Show.
5: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Well, bottom line, listeners at San Diego will be proud to know that you are the pride of UC San Diego, where you earned your degree in political science, and of course, uh, having a, a military family background with uh, you as your, and your husband, who served us and the USMC, and also the fact that you're from Clovis. So, of course, our KCBC crowd is thrilled about that too. So, this is kind of a it's a home game for you, Ashley, and we're just getting to know you. So, I hope that I hope you feel the warmth and hope you feel the welcome from our listeners here at the Bottom Line Show. Hey, let's get into America First Policy and um, the America First Works organizations. Talk about how you got involved in these groups and what exactly did they do. This was a new organization for me. I have to admit I was not familiar uh, with your group until just a couple of weeks ago.
5: Sure. So about 500 days ago, America First Policy Institute, a 501c3, was born. Um, We built a team of 150 staffers, 22 policy centers, and it's really led by some of the greatest patriots. America Has Ever Known. Brooke Rollins is our president and CEO. Linda McMahon, if you are familiar with her from WWE Wrestling, and she's the former uh, business administrator for Small Business Administration. She is our chair of the board and also the chair of our Center for the American Worker. Um, They were the ones who really came together and put together this idea of the America First Policy Institute. So alongside them, we have nine former cabinet members, three football legends, three former governors, a civil rights icon, three pastors, a former Ohio Secretary of State. Um, And since the launch of AFPI, we've taken on big tech. We've sued Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for their censorship and silencing of the American people. We put boots on the ground in 32 states, um, really focusing on America First agenda issues. We fought on behalf of of American businesses and workers against Biden's vaccine mandates. We went all the way to the Supreme Court and won. And then AFPI launched the sister organization, America First Works which is really focused at moving America First policies in the states and in Washington. And a little bit more behind that is, you know, Brooke Rollins, she was um, the head of the Domestic Policy Council in President Trump's White House. And Mm -hmm. so she was really responsible for his agenda across the country domestically. And, you know, her vision was, and the vision of the president was putting the American people first. And that's what America First Policy Institute intends to do. And um, I'm really grateful. I worked on President Trump's campaign. I moved. It was kind of a funny story, but I worked on a number of campaigns in California, political campaigns, um, had the opportunity to serve as national coalitions director. So thanks, Black Voices for Trump, Latinas for Trump, Women for Trump, MAGA Mamas, uh, 45 different coalitions and 650 advisory board members. So I moved. My husband and I took our kids, moved across the country so that I would have the opportunity to serve on the president's campaign. Um, after the campaign ended not the way we wanted it to end obviously right. that's mm-hmm. when Brooke and Linda launched this initiative and um, I was tapped to serve as the chief engagement officer which is really keeping all of this coalitions engaged which is really proving off if you look at the numbers with Hispanic voters, black voters and women across the country today.
0: You know it's interesting talking with Ashley Hayek today here at the Bottom Line Show chief engagement officer for America's First Policy Institute and also the executive director of America's First Works you could find those links up at the bottomlineshow.com. It's interesting when you talk about the engagement, Ashley, as you were describing what it was like for the Trump Pence 2020 presidential campaign, and you think of all these little splintered groups that are out there, and in many cases, they all want the same thing, but you just somebody needs to make sure that they're all in the same boat and rowing in the same direction. So it sounds like the work that you played was vital, especially when we see, uh, you know what happened? People will go on about the big steel and the big wire or whatever. I think most of us know. That there was a lot of jerry rigging and gerrymandering going on behind the scenes, and as more and more cases now are coming to trial and we're finding that out, I, I don't think we're finding you know any comfort in knowing that there was a certain measure of you know uh, disingenuous reporting and things of that nature, and a very short window to try to turn things around. But here we are now in the twenty twenty two election. It's the first big national election since that debacle of 2020. And America's First Policy Institute is working on making sure that the key issues stay in front of voters, that people are engaged, you know, to, toward working toward those those different aspects. And one of the things I know that is near and dear to your heart, not only as a native Californian, but also as someone who is a, protects the sanctity of human life, is the work that AFPI is doing uh, to stand up against Proposition 1, California's hideous uh, abortion whenever you want it constitutional amendment. Give us a brief overview of the proposition and then how is AFPI working to fight it?
5: Sure. So what's really interesting about Proposition 1 is that the left does such a great job of being disingenuous about what something stands for. So if you see any of the materials that are coming out in favor of Prop 1, they're saying that this is is vital for reproductive health. That is not what Proposition 1 does. What Proposition 1 does is it uh, really solidifies late-term, um, on-demand, taxpayer-funded abortion in seventh, eighth, and nine months of pregnancy when a baby can feel pain. Um, AFPI has put out a number of fact sheets and information on its website specifically about the left's extreme abortion policies, and they're really disconnected from a majority of voters. Seventy-one percent of Americans support legal limits on abortion. Only 17% of voters believe that abortion should be allowed at any time during pregnancy. And one more thing is the United States is only one of six countries in the world that permits elective abortion throughout all nine months of pregnancy. And that's a list that includes China and North Korea. Could you imagine, I mean, I think mm. about the Asian American population in the state of California, right? So many people who have left you know, those two countries you know, explicitly because of those extreme policies of those two regimes. And now you have a state that is following in line with both uh, North Korea and China on these inhumanitarian practices. Um, America First Works has really been in the field on this, um, really pointing back to Gavin Newsom and the Democrats and really showcasing that this is a new abortion playbook um, for the radical left across the country. And we're seeing that every lawmaker uh, needs to answer the question this includes 49 U.S. senators, all but one Democrat senator this past summer, voted in favor of extreme late-term, uh, third-trimester abortion. Mm-hmm. Every lawmaker needs to ask, answer the question, when is it okay to allow an abortion in the seventh, eighth, and nine month of pregnancy? Is that acceptable? And you know what? Most of them won't answer, or they will say there should be no limit. And that yeah. tells
0: you everything. It really does. Ashley Hayek is with me today here on The Bottom Line, Chief Engagement Officer of America First Policy Institute and the Executive Director of the America First Works organization. We've got links for their uh, sites up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're talking about Proposition 1. It just It boggles my mind, Ashley, to hear of the number of lawmakers who have absolutely no trouble with hospitals charging and overcharging to keep people who are literally on their last legs of life. They're, you know, they're in the last lap. They're getting ready to you know head home to wherever they're headed, <laughs> and to whether it's eternal glory for Christians or people beyond. And at the same time, though, they, they look at the sanctity of human life there and say, well, we're, we're going to keep you alive even though you're not really happening. But when it comes to a live, actual human baby... The democrat party in particular is so disingenuous with 35 percent of democrats who are pro-life and and you mentioned the i think it was the Rasmussen and about the, the the number of people who are against proposition one and yet you've got gavin newsom literally spending his campaign money on this i mean running these ads and you look at those ads for him saying yes we're going to pass prop one and it's paid for by newsom for governor 2022 it, it's just it the arrogance is it, just it's overwhelming and yet it seems like I'm starting to hear more rumblings, Ashley, and I would love for you to, uh, to comment on this if you would. The Proposition 1 is not such a sure thing as many people think it is for passing here in next Tuesday.
5: And I think that any sort of spending usually indicates how well or how poorly a bill is doing. Um, and the fact that, you know, Gavin Newsom is campaigning so hard on this issue probably indicates that it's in a little bit more trouble than what they were anticipating. but one thing that is actually really interesting to me is after roe v wade was overturned joe biden he said that the first bill he'll take to to congress is to codify roe v wade gavin newsom immediately prop one on the ballot in california you know i think that they thought that this would be an issue that could motivate people to the poll but the problem is they are so extreme on this issue that it's out of touch with most of americans and suburban women we're seeing are really focused on three things, crime, our kids, and that's the sexualized agenda that the left is pushing, um, and cost. It's expensive right now. California is especially expensive. It has the largest income disparity in the country. And so when you have major issues, when you have rolling brownouts, and this is where you're prioritizing, you're going to lose people, no matter no matter what party affiliation you are.
0: Mm-hmm. That's... it's. So well-spoken by Ashley Hayek today here on The Bottom Line, Chief Engagement Officer of America First Policy Institute. We've got a link for their website at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a quick break, and as we continue here on this Super Tuesday, I want to talk about the America First Policy Institute, their plan for actually putting America first. And also, one of the things that America First Works is working on right now, something that you might not be paying attention to, but it's a question that a lot of people have with regard to who is actually eligible to vote in the first place. And what about all the talk that we hear about these different uh, voter rolls and, you know, people being registered in two or three different places, election integrity and things of that nature. America First Works is actually working on a project that would create election integrity without having to pass a lot of, uh, well, publicly uh, bandied about laws and things of that nature, but just getting right to the core of the issue of how we can clean up those voter rolls. We'll talk about that at Further detail with Ashley Hayek in just a moment as the bottom line continues. It's amazing to think about how that is so well stated, the fact that the income disparities here in the People's Republic of California are so horrific. And yet, you know, the reality is, as, as we're talking about this here, it, it is true that there is major censorship when it comes to the media. I mean, there was a story at a Breitbart uh, that happened not too long ago where it turns out that um, according to uh, a... The intercept which is an online publication uh that came to light with uh, documents and minutes revealed from uh, a lawsuit by the attorney general of missouri eric schmidt against the Biden administration basically says look they were suppressing uh basically the the news that they didn't want you to hear or didn't want you to see there was such a huge hue and cry during the 2020 election and even the 2016 election about well the russians were interfering and and the republicans were you know uh smearing hillary clinton and this that and the other thing but As it turns out, it's the current administration right now. Vijaya Ghadi Gadi is the uh, uh, recently fired head of trust and safety for Twitter, and she and some executives at Facebook are all being called onto account for the fact that they had regular meetings with leadership in the Department of Homeland Security to discuss censorship on a wide range of topics. I mean, obviously, COVID, racial justice, and even the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So the idea that there are people of faith we are saying our voices aren't being heard, that you've got California Governor Gavin Newsom who is trying to uh, make it sound like it's uh, conservatives that are trying to you know, sil- signal the death knell for the People's Republic of California. I'm grateful, Ashley Hayek, that we have you and your team at the America's First Policy Institute uh, doing the work that you're doing and, and actually taking on uh, large governments. So t- having a great conversation today here with Ashley Hayek, who's the Chief Engagement Officer of America First Policy Institute, and also the uh, uh, Executive Director of America First Works. Uh, We're talking about what they're doing to stop Prop 1. We're also talking about what they're doing with regard to how uh, voting information is being suppressed. And we've got a statistic that I want to take a break here, Ashley, because we've got to just I need to give you enough time to unpack this one when you consider legislation that was designed to help people who had had their vote suppressed now have their vote heard and counted and then you see what state and local governments do sometimes knowingly sometimes unwittingly to suppress those votes even today we can be grateful for groups like america america first uh, policy institute who are doing the heavy lifting for us the citizens by going after the large media companies and also going after these state governments and asking the question, why are you not complying with the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act? Why, why are you not taking a look at the people's right to have their vote not only counted, but recorded and documented? That's going to be a huge issue with regard to election integrity here in the 2022 midterm. So I want to get Ashley Hayek to respond to that on the other side of this break. Uh, keep it right here on the Bottom Line Show for more election analysis as we are one week away from this is the last Super Tuesday before the actual election is taking place, I encourage you to go to thebottomlineshow.com if you haven't read my recommendations as yet. And we will also make sure, uh, Tamara will be going through and updating yet again to make sure that we have the links for myfaithvotes.org, Jason Yates' outstanding organization, also Um, ivoterguide.com, stopprop1.com, that's an organization that is spearheaded by Pastor Jack Hibbs, Real Radio, which is heard right after the bottom line here in Southern California. And also Craig Huey's electionforum.org and judgevoterguide.com. I can't stress enough how important that Judge Voter Guide is, especially if you find yourself, like a lot of us do, having to cast a vote for a judge and wondering, is this person right? Is this person not right? I mean, in many cases, we're voting for lifetime appointments. Sometimes they term out, sometimes for lifetime appointments. And we don't want to pick the wrong people when it comes to the judicial branch. For our KCBC audience, uh, you've got Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus around the corner for you. Uh, For those who remain on the network, I'll continue my conversation with Ashley Hayek, Chief Engagement Officer of America First Policy Institute and the Executive Director of the America First Works. We're going to dig into that Voting Rights Act and find out how many large communities in the United States are actually taking it seriously and how many of them are just kind of copying over some of the other voting things that they had that they're supposed to keep separate records of. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Ashley Hayek is with me today here on the bottom line. I'm Roger Mark. She serves in the dual roles as chief engagement officer of the America First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com, and also the uh, executive director of America First Works. And uh, we were just talking in our opening segment about uh, what both organizations do, especially is bringing awareness to Proposition 1, the fact that uh, Ashley noted that Governor Newsom is spending a lot of his own campaign money for his re-election bid for governor to actually become the uh, – use it that money to try to make Prop 1 part of the California Constitution, which does not seem to be the overall will of the voters. Speaking of voters, Ashley, I know during the break we were talking about the fact that America First Works is actually working on a project right now that would um, – would kind of maintain the upkeep, if you will, of the voter rolls in some of the top areas in the country. Talk about, I mean, this goes back to the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. I mean, talk about how, how this 50-year-old legislation isn't being honored and what America First Works is actually doing to make sure that it is.
5: Sure. So we have a couple of projects. First of all, America First Policy Institute put out a uh, review with a 790-page report on the 2020 voter records. And what they did is they looked at, um, our policy experts looked at 14 traditional swing states, Arizona, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, um, Minnesota, North Carolina, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin. And after the last general election, there were concerns that ballots were counted multiple times and that ballots were destroyed. So what they were determined to do was to obtain time-stamped voter record data from the top 100 most populated counties in these 14 states to analyze any sort of discrepancies that there may be. And the goal of the research was to basically match the number of the people who voted in each precinct with the number of the ballots that cast. That makes sense, right? Because Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have more. You might have less, but you definitely shouldn't have more people than the the number of people registered to vote. And you would think that that would be an easy task to do, right, to contact that county or whoever it works in that state. Um, but just six of the 100 counties actually still had their voter files from the 2020 general election. What? And that (laughs) is, yeah, only six, six of the 100 counties. Um, and this really comes down like as you mentioned, it's the Civil Rights Act of 1960. Um, you are required to maintain your voter rolls and local and state elected officials are supposed to keep their records for 22 months following a federal election. So we reached out to different secretaries of states uh, to ensure that they would be following this federal law. But as we moved from a paper background, paper society, to a digital society, a lot of folks were saving their voter file over the previous voter file. They weren't retaining that information. So even in the six counties that say they kept the information, the average difference between the number of voters and ballots cast was about 2.89%. And if you think about how big some of these counties, that 2.89 percent could make a huge difference. So, for example, the largest discrepancy was in Cobb County, Georgia, 8.8 percent, 8.8 percent. And that's, you know, you would be concerned if there's a 1 percent discrepancy in in a balance, if there was something unaccounted for. Imagine 8 percent. So what America First Policy Institute did was, in partnership with Frank LaRose, the Secretary of State of Ohio, sent a letter to the Secretaries of State and said, look, you are required by law to keep your uh, voter roll information. And after this election, we're going to be following up to make sure that you do keep that data, because we're going to check on that data. That was the first step that we had to do, to make sure that these Secretaries of State knew that somebody was watching. That was important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The second thing that we started doing was we created a pastor project. And the pastor project, we're focusing on eight states currently. We have a number of volunteers in other states as well. But those folks, we're were recruiting poll watchers, we're getting uh, poll watchers trained, and then we're also making sure that they're looking for any sort of discrepancy. So when they start, um, we've already started looking at the different voter files and Googling some of the addresses to see, like, is this actually a legitimate address or is this eight people to one address that's not actually a home? And we're starting to identify some of those discrepancies and requiring and demanding that those those votes or those um, registrations be addressed. So this is a very proactive approach. Um, our ultimate goal are to make the elections easy to vote and hard to cheat because Americans should feel like their vote counts. American voters, they should count. And that's the point, And that's why our country is so great
0: yes uh, this is a great project that you're working on i'm talking with ashley hayek today here on the bottom line the chief engagement officer of the america first policy she's also the uh, executive director of the america first works and we've got links for both of those sites up at the bottomlineshow.com. when you contact these i mean I, i'm stunned of the top 100 areas that it was only a matter of six that actually had accurate and current information is there any pressure from anywhere else other than what you're doing to get these organizations to do what they need to do? I mean, it, it, it seems it seems to be somehow <laughs> just curiously convenient you know, for one party if they wind up winning, that if there were any discrepancies and we were told that the mail-in val- ballots that were coming in had a margin of error of like 0.4%, statistically impossible that they would all be that good. How can these areas get away with not keeping accurate voting records from one election to the next? And just like you said, well, we copied over it. I mean, I, I it doesn't really seem to hold water. Are you, Is your organization the first one to make this discovery?
5: It's the first one that we know. We're the first ones to bring it to light. Um, and I think what's really important is now that we have shined a light on this issue, we're going to make sure that we follow through on it. And following right. through is going to be absolutely critical. So building a relationship with the secretary of state is really important. You know, unfortunately, California, you're not going to have somebody who's going to be as likely to work with us.
0: But this
5: is federal law. So um, AFPI does have a constitutional litigation partnership. It is our litigation arm um, that is preparing and looking for any sort of opportunity or um, place where there might need to be litigation leading up to or after the election. It's something that we're keeping a very close eye on but also working a lot with the churches, making sure people are reporting any sort of fraud, making sure that um, there's open dialogue. And every every single county is different. States are different. Um, We have a map on our website, on AFTI's website, that shows what the voting laws are in each state. And so making sure that your state has um, great voting laws. There could be states, for example, that are very conservative states. They get their voting laws, um, are not up to par. And so we need to make sure that we're passing legislation in the state, especially in the next legislative session, to make sure that we make it easy to easy to vote and hard to cheat.
0: I love so that. that's what
5: we're really focused on.
0: Yeah, I love it. AmericaFirstPolicy.com, we've got up at the TheBottomLineShow.com. I'm talking with Ashley Hayek, who's the Chief Engagement Officer of this outstanding organization and also the Executive Director of the America First Works. Uh, Ashley, I know that you have uh, America's First Policy does have a, uh, a program that, that's basically designed to say this is what we're trying to do. And the work that you've done, I mean, if you look at the website for EFBI and you see the number of people who are on there, we're not talking. I mean, there are some folks from academia, the business world, whatever. But you're also talking Rick Perry, Albeda King. I mean, there's a, just name after name after name. And, of course, Ashley Hayek's out there, too, I mean, which is uh, we're grateful to have this time with her. Uh, can you take the last couple of minutes of our time together here and walk us through, just kind of give us a jet tour of what the pillars look like that you're trying to implement, because America First is not, I mean, this is really looking at the founding documents, the the founding basis of our nation and saying, how do we do this right again? Because it seems as though there are too many people who are in political positions of power who don't have America's best interest in mind.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So this summer, AFPI convened in Washington, D.C. for a two-day summit, and we had two main goals in mind. Number one, power must be returned to the American people, not the government elite. And number two, a playbook or a roadmap or a blueprint, whatever you want to call it, that is unapologetically of, by, and for the American people was needed. And so that's how the America First agenda was really born. And this is an agenda for reclaiming America. So what we did was we started pulling a number of different issues, Um economy, integrity in our election systems, national security, education, and we crafted policies that would put America first. A lot of these policies, by the way, are policies that worked in from 2017 to 2020 that we knew worked at a federal level, and we're taking them to the state. So it's a 10-pillar policy plan to unite America. And again, it's not just in preparation for a new Congress in January or you know, the next White House, but it's for the state houses, it's for local governments, it's for school boards, and really for the next 100 years. So each one of these policy pillars enjoys an 80% approval rating by the American people. We work with Scott Rasmussen, um, national pollster, and he really helped us define what each uh, pillar should be. So, for example, make the greatest economy in the world work for all Americans. Number two, put patients and doctors back in charge of health care um, make American Energy Independent, one of my favorites. Give parents more control over the children's education.
0: Amen. 80% Amen. issues.
5: Yes, these are 80% issues that you can talk about with your family at Thanksgiving because 80% of Americans agree with, and if they don't agree with those 10 issues, then you might not want to have them over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so we're really excited about this agenda, and we're going to be moving policy in the states in the upcoming uh, legislative cycle.
0: I think that's great. Ashley Hayek has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She serves the dual roles as Chief Engagement Officer of the America First Policy Institute. She's also the executive director of America First Works. We've got links for their websites up at the bottomlineshow.com. Ashley, thank you for the time that you've put in. I know our San Diego listeners are proud to see uh, the pride of UCSD doing as well as she is on Capitol Hill. And oh, by the way, still a proud wife and uh, mom of four kids, too. I, I don't know how you now juggle five. all of this. Now, oh, now five? five? I just oh, had my goodness.
5: Fifth. We,
0: yeah. We, we, that must have been recent. we got to update your website. Very
5: recent, yes. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, congratulations. Again, again, for for anyone who looks at the conservative side of the equation and says, well, there's just, you know, there's kind of a, a, they don't really understand what the working mom world is all about. Well, we'll give them Ashley's website information and they can figure all that out too. Congratulations on the birth of your fifth. And thanks for the great work that you're doing with AFPI. Uh, We appreciate the time today here on the Bottom Line Show.
5: Thank you so much.
0: Boy, what a great organization and what an opportunity that we have as Americans to learn more about how the process works and then what we can do about it, not to feel so helpless. Ashley Hayek, uh, the Director of Engagement for American, America's First Policy Institute and also the Executive Director of America First Works. And we, as I mentioned, we've got those links up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Hey, congratulations are in order. and We have a winner in our contest for the book, uh, the Chad Beach book about uh, prairie, praying and worry uh, Louise from San Diego is the winner of that book, and the book is called uh, Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. So congratulations to Louise and everybody who participated in that giveaway. We're going to take a quick break and drafting off of something that Ashley Hayek just said with regard to how 80% of Americans are looking in this upcoming election to really kind of solidify and codify the same things, not the radicalist agenda of the left. What's happening when people go online to try to search for good information about these decisions and decision-makers? And why is one of the leading uh, supporters of the libertarian, independent, even Democratic candidates now throwing his hat into turning Oregon red starting in the governor's mansion? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. I'm grateful that we can take action. As Ashley Hayek was talking about, we can take action at the polls. We can also take action when it comes to how we treat the sanctity of human life. And there are a lot of women right now who are facing pregnancies and they're not quite sure what to do. A recent study indicated that 52% of women who had had abortions said that if they knew adoption was an option, they wouldn't have gone through with the abortion. That's where you and Preborn come into play. Preborn specializes in ultrasound. The ultrasound machine often is the first time a woman will be introduced to her child through that ultrasound image watching the baby move in the womb, and also, of course, hearing the child's heartbeat as well. With all these heartbeat bills being passed, that's a good thing, but you know abortion clinics use ultrasound machines as well. They use it to help their abortionists do the deal that they're trying to do. But I'll tell you, 83% of the women who come to a preborn clinic and have an ultrasound of their baby, hear the heartbeat, see the baby, see the kid moving around in the womb, 83% of them choose either to become mothers and deliver that child at full term, or to take the baby to full term and release that kid for adoption. Your $28 donation will save a life right now. Go to kbrightradio.com and hit the preborn banner or go to thebottomlineshow.com and do the same. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Super Tuesday edition of the broadcast. And if you've wondered whether or not the media is trying to keep you as a conservative voter, someone with Christian values from getting the information that you need for the candidates, that you would like to support. I mentioned earlier, the fact that the Department of Homeland Security often met with uh, members of the leadership of Facebook and Twitter and things like that to discuss which pieces of information that those platforms would actually promote and which ones that they would discourage. And trust me, I've, I've read enough on Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there are several conservative influencers I follow and several others who are not. Uh, because that's the, where the balance comes in, right? Analysis, balance, and clarity. And it's amazing to see how many influencers, just by the sheer volume of who they are, get hit up with requests to do things that they are actually diametrically opposed to. Uh, like, for example, the federal government is pushing vaccines right now. Most Americans have either had COVID or had a jab, and they don't need more of the boosters. And yet, here, David J. Harris, Terrence K. Williams, have conservative pundits, who have been pretty passionate that we should not have any kind of federal mandate on vaccines are being offered tens of thousands of dollars by the federal government to basically write glowing articles and reviews about the vaccine. Well, these guys have been open in their criticisms of it. So we do know that the media is often bought and paid for. In full transparency, the bottom line show is not a ministry on the bottom line stations that we're on per se. I'm hired by Crawford Broadcasting and they sell advertising time. So the advertisers that you hear here spend money and they buy advertising time. And then you support them and then they continue to support us and we stay on the air and that's how it works. That's how commercial radio stations work. We're not on non-commercial stations, we're on commercial stations. The ministries that you hear on our stations actually make time to what they call broker the airtime from the station. They kind of rent it, if you will. They have an agreement, they pay a certain amount to be on, and then they ask you for support and you support them financially. And I can guarantee you, you can tell how well the support is coming in based on who's on the air. Go through and look at the, the, take KBRT, for example, our flagship station. Look at the programs that are on. And if you look at a program guide from a year ago, it's going to look really familiar. And a year before that, it's going to look really familiar. You'll see that the programmers who broadcast here on our stations are very consistent. And the reason they're consistent is because you support them. That's why they stay with us. That, that's full disclosure here. No one likes to think that guys at CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News are not, say, on the take, but they have, quote, unquote, incentives from the federal government to write glowing reports about things that they may or may not agree with. But it happens all the time. The Media Research Center noticed that during the last election cycle, the 2020 election, they were concerned that there might be a suppression of opportunities for trying to find out information about Republican candidates versus Democratic candidates. And of course, Google and Yahoo, they all say, no, we would never do that. But according to a study from the University of North Carolina, North Carolina, excuse me, North Carolina State University, they took a look at internal documentation at Google with regard to the number of campaign requests from Republican candidates versus Democrat candidates during the 2020 election. And they basically were asking the question, how many of those emails that were sent by these fundraising groups or, you know, vote for me, don't vote for them campaigns, actually made it into the email boxes and how many went into the junk folders, the spam folders or whatever? Would you be surprised to find out that Republican campaign emails during the 2020 election, according to a study by North Carolina State University, were literally 60% 60% more likely to go to spam folders than Democrats' emails were? Now, Google, of course, is vehemently denying, oh, no, 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 we would never do that. Here's how the study worked. I mean, Well, let me take an example of just Senate candidates, for example. The Media Research Center, MRC, Free Speech America study that was recently conducted by our friends at North Carolina State University, Google buried 10 of 12 Senate Republican candidates' campaign websites if you were looking to do a Google search. At the same time, they highlighted their opponent's campaign sites in organic search results. Now, if you did the same search on Bing or DuckDuckGo, it showed Senate Democrat candidates' campaign websites and Senate Republicans' campaign websites were in the top five organic search results on one page. When it came to House races, the Democrats were favored over Republicans by a factor of two to one. So it's interesting to see when you type in something in a search engine, I think I need to find a recipe for uh, you know, tacos or I, I, I want to look for a good vacation destination. You're assuming that when you type that information into your search, Google, Yahoo, whenever you search, that they're just going to generically give you the names. Now, some people do pay. You'll see like paid sponsor and it comes up. But an organic search is not manipulated by their algorithms, but the ones that are, can you imagine? There were 12 Senate seats up for grabs and 12 Republicans running for those seats versus 12 Democrats. And 10 times out of 12, the Republican candidate was buried. You'd have to search four, five, six pages deep. Whereas the Democrats' name, came right up to the top of the Google search almost every time. Wouldn't you think that if you typed in, uh, you know, the California gubernatorial or senatorial campaign, Mark Muser running against uh, uh, Xavier Becerra or, (laughs) um, Xavier Becerra itself in human services. Uh, But here you see the two running and you'd see Democrat versus Republican full stop. But chances are, if you did look for those, what you would find, on the Google searches during the 2020 election, according to the Media Research Center, is you would find, uh, it was Alex Bidia, You'd find all the Democrats' names and the Republicans would be buried. Yes, the search companies can do that. They can bury that information. I mean, not legally, they shouldn't. No, it's a private group. They can do whatever they want to. Unless you're Elon Musk, and then Elon Musk is a criminal and a threat to democracy because, um, uh, um, Yeah, you get the idea. Uh, We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, final installment of the Super Tuesday. And you might have seen recently California, Oregon, and Washington have kind of been running themselves together like the blue west of the United States. There's a possibility that one of those states might turn red after the next election. And if they do, they have the co-founder of Nike to blame or to think. We'll talk about that story, story coming up next as the bottom line continues. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life.
2: Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house. Had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, you're really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months. You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, How much? I said, Well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, Zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800 696 9970.
0: 800 696 9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. If you haven't downloaded Roger's recommendations yet, I highly recommend you do. Uh, Also get a hold of the election forum, Uh, Craig Huey, especially the Judge Voter Guide, uh, MyFaithVotes.org, Jason Yates' group, iVoterGuide.com, Deb Withrow and company. Um, Look at the recommendations. When you look at my recommendations for the midterms, You'll see that it's Brian Dolly, anybody but Gavin Newsom for governor, Angela Underwood Jacobs for lieutenant governor, Rob Bernofsky, secretary of state, Lonnie Chen, he is going to be a great controller, Jack Guerrero, treasurer, and Nathan Hotchman for attorney general. Uh, we've got everything up there from senator to all the different representatives in all 52 different uh, categories because there are 52 uh, districts now, not just uh, Fifty three, like we used to have. But hey, the, the one story that I want to share with you as we conclude today is to show you how bad socialism, communism and leftism, a.k.a. the Democrat Party of today, ha- things have gotten for them. Um, it, it's very interesting to see this you know, kind of play out in the public eye. But, you know, a lot of the actor model community, the entertainment community, the business community definitely are looking for you know, their people to win. And it's been decades since the state of Oregon has had a Republican governor. But Christine Drazen has a big ally in who's going to win the race to replace uh, uh, Kathleen uh, Brown, uh, Jerry Brown's sister. And that is Nike co-founder Phil Knight has contributed a million dollars to Christine Drazen's campaign. Now, this is a guy earlier... Who had donated 3.75 million to Betsy Johnson's gubernatorial campaign, but now he is setting his sights on Christine Drazen, who is running against the Democrat candidate Tina Kotek. Basically, here's what Drazen said in her most recent ad: "Tina Kotek and Betsy Johnson have been driving Kate Brown's agenda for years. They've led Oregon down the wrong path. Tina and Betsy haven't fixed anything. In fact, they made things worse." We need to do direction, my roadmap for Oregon cleans up our streets, stop the tax increases and make life more affordable for Oregon families. The stakes couldn't be higher, but we can do this. Now, here's what makes this interesting. Droset and Kotec are literally neck and neck and according to 538.com's polling average, she actually holds a one point lead in Oregon. Now this is, please, you have to know me, 12 years now we've been doing this program. It's policies over politics. It's principles over personalities. But I know people who I care about who live in the People's Republic of Oregon. If you watch that nightmare that happened over the past couple of summers ago, where the rioting over the George Floyd death and others turned into months of Antifa riots and looting and burning, even to have one Oregon resident who's very close to me who said, man, uh, these people aren't from here. I don't know who they are. We love our city like Portland, and Medford, Salem, Eugene. We don't know what's happening to our state. Is it possible that we could see uh, Christine Drazan win in Oregon? Is it possible that Brian Dolly could beat Gavin Newsom? Is it possible that voters on both sides of the aisle who 70% plus are not in favor of Proposition One could defeat this thing and send abortion rights back even further in the People's Republic of California? Well, you heard my conversation with Ashley Hayek from America's America First Policy Institute, who said their research indicates that 80 percent of Americans actually agree on most everything when it comes to social and political arguments. So don't spend too much time online arguing with people. Talk to your neighbors. Be Jesus with skin on in your communities and then make sure you pray and get out and vote next Tuesday. That's the bottom line.